Wonderful. Welcome back, everyone. It's, uh, my name is Matt, if you don't know me. And uh, it was so wonderful just to hear those stories of the faithfulness of God at work in the lives of those three dear friends of mine. It's very moving to hear. Um, a great way to get, in, get into the Word of God today. So if you um, want to find the book of Luke, we've been slowly working through this book and looking at different meals that Jesus has with his disciples. And uh, this one today, Jesus eats a piece of broiled fish. So there you go. If you like fish, hopefully you will enjoy today. So we're in Luke chapter 24, verses 36 to 49. I'm going to read that to us. And then we will pray and look at this passage together. It says this, As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus, it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus, we thank you. We just thank you as we've been going through this book of Luke that tells all these different wonderful stories of you at work and each time you, you're sitting down to eat with your disciples, to eat with even those who despised and rejected you, eat with those who were the, the outcasts, the poor, the downtrodden society, with all sorts of different people we find you again and again, uh, enjoying their company, of having fellowship, relationship with them, and all the time proclaiming the good news of your kingdom to them. And we just pray as we get into these words today that the good news that we have in you, the wonder of our salvation, the wonder of your kingdom that you sent us to proclaim would come alive in our hearts we would know more of you speaking to us today speak to us through these words we pray in jesus name amen earlier on uh, this week i was taking a walk in the fundal park just across the road from this building and i was praying and i was i was asking god to, to speak to me um, just a couple of questions I had buzzing around my head 
things I was thinking about for our church and the mission God's called us to. I was just praying that God would speak. And uh, as I was walking just out of the park, I came across one of those little bookshelves that you'll find dotted around the city where people put books free for people to take and to give. And I picked up a book that was a, a guide to our city, a guide to Amsterdam, uh, which was called Mokum, which is a, a Yiddish word, I believe, that means like a place or safe haven. It's also a nickname that our cities often refer to. And this book was called Mokum Liberty City. And I thought, oh, that's striking, because that's also the name of our church. We're Liberty Church, because as Naomi was sharing at the start, we want to bring liberty to our city. A city that's searching for liberty, for freedom. We want to bring the true freedom that we find in, in Jesus Christ. And in this book, there was a poem written by a Dutch poet called Ramsey Nazir, who's half Dutch, half Palestinian. And it's a poem that he wrote just over a decade ago after a, a, an attempt to murder the Dutch queen. Sadly, I think nine people were shot and killed. She survived. And it was a poem about, I guess, the, the positives and negatives of living in, a, in a, a liberal, in a free society where we have all sorts of freedoms to express ourselves, um, to express ourselves even against things that other people would find dear and, and cherish. And it was a poem expressing the, the joys and pains of that. And there was one line in this poem that was quite striking. He was talking about our nation as a place where there are and 16 million kings all feel at home. And uh, there's many joys, many benefits of living in a free society. There's so much to be grateful for to live in a city like Amsterdam, a city that there is liberty in many ways. But the way to receive not just a political liberty, but liberty for your soul, for true freedom for you to, to enjoy the best of what God has for you, the only way you can really find that is in the good news of Jesus Christ. The only way to really live like a king is not as our world teaches us. We just need to throw off all the constraints. We just do what we want. Just live as we please. But actually Romans, the book of Romans in chapter 5 tells us how we find true liberty, how we really live as, as kings and queens. It says this, if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. It's talking about the, the reign of sin and death that came into the world through Adam at the beginning of the Bible. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. When you receive this free gift of righteousness. As this passage talks about, when we receive this gift of faith to repent and receive the forgiveness of sins, that's how you really, truly reign in life. There's so much around us that promises us liberty, so many idols that promise us freedom, 
But then when we invest in them, they don't leave us free at all. They just constrain us more and more. Things like money, which promises us that if you just need a, a, get a bit more money, you'll get a bit more happiness. But the more you invest your heart in idols like money, the more you'll find yourself constrained, held down, oppressed. The way to true freedom is only in coming and giving your life in submission to Jesus Christ. And that's the message that Jesus has sent us to proclaim to our liberty city, a message of true liberty and freedom that we find in Jesus Christ. That's what he's telling them, telling them in this passage. He, he sits down with them, he explains to them, as he did in the previous passage we looked at last week, how he is the promised Messiah, the King that's come, the Christ that's come, that this book, the Bible, all of these scriptures are all pointing to him, they're all about him, but also that he's been sent with a promise all the promises of scripture find their yes and amen in him and if you read through the old the old testament again and again you find these promises to the people of israel that there'll be a light to the nations that there'll be a blessing right to the ends of the earth and jesus is saying to us in this passage yes that's true but that's all now found in him he's the light to the nations he's the blessing that comes to the ends of the earth and that's now going to be worked out through us through his people, through his church, because his final message to us, in Jesus' final meal, this is the last time he gets to sit down and, and hang out with his best friends, with the people that he's been journeying with over these last three years of his life, the last meal he has with them, his final message to them is one of saying, go. When you read the account of this story in the end of the Gospel of Matthew, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. In the book of John, he says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And whether you realize it or not, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been sent by Jesus. Not just to live your Christian existence hidden and locked away, but you've been sent with a, a message to proclaim. You've been sent with the good news to share. And if you're watching this and you live here in Amsterdam, you've been sent to this city. It's no accident that you ended up here. It wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't just a, a fluke. God sent you here for a purpose, with a message, with good news to share. And that's what I want us to talk about today. Jesus has sent us with a message, but how? What does that look like? How do we proclaim that? Because, as I'm sure you've probably experienced, that it's not just that being a Christian is kind of a bit uncool, but increasingly in the world we live, in the city we live, to be a follower of Jesus is actually dangerous. It's subversive. It's, it's, it feels like something that's against the world, and people can be scared of it, intimidated, concerned even that we might be followers of Jesus. So how do we... How do we do what Jesus is telling us to do here? To go and to proclaim his name to all nations. Which is good news for us, because that promise of all nations, we live in one of the most international cities on the planet. 
We don't have to go to the ends of the earth. We can do it right here to 180 different nations that live in our city. But how do we proclaim that? I'm going to give us a few simple steps for us as a church community. Number one, very simply, is to engage. Pretty straightforward, really, just to engage with the city. Now, what I mean by that is that often you can... You can live with a kind of a different posture, if that makes sense, in how you live in the city. You can just live as as a consumer. You know, you just take whatever you want out of the city, just a place you go for pleasure and entertainment and enjoyment, or at least, you know, we used to (laughs) a year or so ago. We just consume from the city. We just take what we want, and then we get out of it when, when it doesn't give us what we need anymore. Or if you're an international, if you've moved from overseas, you can, you can live as an expat. You can think, well, actually, my, my primary identity is somewhere else. I'm just here for a season. I'll just kind of make it work while I'm here. Or you can just live as, a, as like a nomad, just kind of bouncing from place to place, never really finding anywhere that you might call home. I think the best way for us to really engage is the city is to live as... An Amsterdamer. Live as though you've been sent here. Live here with a sense of purpose. Live here with a sense of calling, knowing that God sent you here. In a sense, we're all, we're all only ever here temporarily. If you're a believer in Jesus, your primary identity is that as a citizen of heaven, of the kingdom of God. And yet, as part of that, to be sent by Jesus means, I want to live here as though I'm going to live here forever. I want to invest here. I want to put roots down here. And it might be that God calls me on somewhere else. And that's fine. I'll, I want to follow Jesus wherever he sends me. But for you right now, I'd encourage you to, to stay, to commit, to put down roots. This city needs, it needs parents. It needs grandparents. It needs people that are going to invest here in the long term not just to kind of do a quick hit and then disappear, but to live here, to love here, to build here. And that'll be costly, it'll be sacrificial. It's not easy living in a city like this sometimes, but also there's many blessings of living in a place like this. I encourage you to stay, commit to this city. And that's something we need to do individually, but it's something we do corporately together it could be easy for us as a church to retreat out to the margins of the city to kind of hide away put up the walls lock ourselves down or we could go to the other extreme and say we'll just we'll abandon what we believe to be the Christian message we'll just become relevant to whatever the world wants us to say because we don't want to scare or offend anybody but actually the the best way is one of resilience to say no God's called us here He's given us this opportunity to meet in this wonderful building. He's given us opportunity to live in this great city. I want to live here with a sense of resilience, loving, serving this city, holding on to the truth we find in Scripture. So let's stay and engage with this great city that Jesus has called us to. The next step is for us to practice our faith in this city One of the best ways, actually, we proclaim the message, the good news of the kingdom of God is just living it. We get to be the church so the city gets to see the kingdom of God. 
that's one of the callings of the church is just to be, to practice our faith so that people looking in see some of the wonder of what it is to live out the gospel. In John 13, he writes, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What he's saying is in how we love one another, how we're patient with one another, how we care for one another, how we, how we look after the broken and the needy in our community, how we encourage one another, how we build family life together, our faithfulness towards each other, in how we live out the gospel to each other. We get to display something to the world around us. That people will look in and say, wow, there's, some, there's something different about you. We get to build a, a, a kind of a better version of our of community in our city, an Amsterdam 2.0 for people to look in with. And our community groups that meet around the city, they're not just a little club hidden away. These are radical, radical communities of light displaying the wonder of what it is. Now, that, it doesn't often feel like that. You don't feel like you're being a radical community of life when you're on Zoom, you know, eating some stale biscuits and drinking tea. Well, that's what an English person would do anyway. But you get to, in those communities, in, in how you love one another, in how you point each other to Jesus, the Word of God, we get to display something to our city. But people look in and think, wow, the way you guys, you look after each other, it's, it's different. You're, you're committed to one another. You don't run away from each other when things get tough. If your friends aren't working anymore, you don't just ditch them and get some new ones. You don't just move away, but you've, you're committed to one another. You get to display how Jesus is committed to us. The next one, we get to, we get to create in our city See, all of us here, one of the ways we're sent by Jesus to proclaim this good news to all the nations is we're, we're called to serve, to create, to live justly, to do justice so that the city not only sees but tastes something of the kingdom of God, of the love of God. See, the gospel, the good news of Jesus has radical social implications we're called to the renewal of all things we're called to love and serve our society to see something better emerge something more beautiful emerge a friend of mine he about 10 years ago he started a, a company to develop mobile phone apps but he decided that he, he wanted that company to reflect the kingdom of God he didn't he didn't give it a Christian name. They don't develop Christian apps. If you could go on their website, there will be nothing on it at all that says, hey, look, we love Jesus. There's not a big picture of the cross on it or anything like that. But the values he's installed into his business, how he interacts with his clients, how he looks after his staff, the values even that they go about building their mobile apps with all the time. They're, they're trying to display something. They're trying to create things that help to serve and to bless, to show something of the wonder of God. And in our city, we get to look around and see, even see suffering around us and think, how can we alleviate that? How can the church come and be a solution to those things? 
We get to make and create even things, even products that help people, that serve people, that bring some of the fruit of what it is to know Jesus into our city, that brings light and liberty to our city. See, God's called you not just to sort of... uh, He's called you not just to, to like wear a sandwich board and ring a bell. He's called you to, to do your job and in how you do your job, the faithfulness about you, how you go about your work brings the message of Jesus into your workplace. Of how you interact with the people that you do your job with. About how you love your neighbours. About how you seek to serve your friends in this city. In often lots of very small ways, we get to bring the kingdom of God into the world around us. We get to create in our city. And number four, we get to to tell a story. We get to tell our story of what Jesus has done in our lives. In all these different ways, we can proclaim the good news. Obviously, we, we get to tell it as well. In Romans chapter 1, Paul writes that he's not ashamed of the gospel. Sometimes you might find it difficult to share your faith because you feel a bit embarrassed about it. But when we realize that the story we tell is, it's a better story. There's so many stories that the world is telling us. And the one we have in Jesus is just better. It's just better than all the others. The stories the world wants to tell us about sexuality the story the bible tells us about that it's just it's just better the stories that the bible wants to tell us about career fame acceptance the story that the bible tells us about those things it's just it's just so much better the bible calls us into this journey of putting our trust in jesus of letting him be the the focus the worship of our life See, people will, will, might, might think of you or might even ask of you and say, well, isn't, doesn't it just suck being a Christian? Isn't it, isn't it boring? Isn't it dull? But actually, the, the life it is to follow Jesus is just one full of adventure, full of so many joys, so many excitements. You know, I made a decision in my life to follow Jesus many, many years ago. And he's called me on a roller coaster of a ride since. So many wonderful, wonderful stories I can tell of what Jesus has done in my life. That I get to end up living in a beautiful city like this is not anything ever I would have planned. I'm not just pursuing some life goal that I wanted to. This is Jesus has called me here. I'm so grateful for it. When we live lives of repentance, which might sound like a dull, horrible religious word but it's actually a word of a wonderful release a wonderful freedom repentance means to to turn your back to say I don't want to live my old life anymore because Jesus has called me to something better he's called me to receive his forgiveness to find great liberty and freedom in his death and resurrection what he's won for us that he took my sins upon himself that he died so that I could be free such good news there it's a better story our city needs to hear and finally Jesus 
He sent us with power. He says to his disciples here, behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. He's explaining what's going to happen. If you read ahead into the book of Acts, you'll see how they, his disciples followed Jesus' instructions. They waited and they prayed. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, God sent his power on the church. And the church was, was born into its full life and power. See, when we look around at the city which we, we live in, which is supposed to be one of the most... It's often talked about as being one of the most secular cities on the planet. Secular means to be without God. But even reading that book I was sharing about at the start, the Mockham book, one of its chapters talks about Amsterdam being a devotional city in so many different ways. And it really is. Our city is full of devotion, full of worship to so many different things. So how do we, how do, we do this? How are we to be the church? How are we supposed to practice, create our faith in this city? How are we supposed to tell our story, to proclaim this good news? We need, we need power. We need the power of God. There isn't any shortcut to it. We need the power of God. And Jesus is telling them about what's going to happen in Acts chapter 2. He's telling them to wait. But also, if you read on through the book of Acts you'll find again and again that God's power comes upon his people and he fills them again. It talks about in Acts chapter 4, they have another preming and they wait and it says they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit again. If you read about what happens to Peter in Acts 3 or Stephen in chapter 7, Philip in chapter 8, Paul in chapter 19, and again and again, they're faced of moments in their mission where God's called them to do something and the power of God comes to help them fulfill what he's told them to do. Again and again, we need the power of God to really live out this great calling he's called us to as a church. We need him. The English preacher who lived about 150 years ago, C.H. Spurgeon, he said this, only out of a full church shall the world receive salvation. Never out of an empty one the first thing we want as a church is to be filled with the Holy Spirit <laughs> that's the first thing I want for us as a church as well is that we're filled with the power of God that again and again we're coming to him and asking for his power for his anointing and what that looks like a church that's full of the power of God what that looks like is first of all is that they love the word of God to be a church of the Holy Spirit, sometimes we'd even say, we use the word a, a charismatic church. To be that kind of church, that doesn't mean that you have flashing lights and electric guitars and, the, you know, Goldwyn's doing knee slides across the room or anything or I'm wearing a snazzy white suit. That's not what it means. To be a church full of the power of the Holy Spirit means we love the Word of God because this Word is it's living and active. That quote I read from, from Romans 1 where Paul says he's not ashamed of the gospel. He's not ashamed of this book and the message he has because it's the power of God unto salvation. We want to love the word and we want to pray. 
That's probably the number one thing it means to be a church that's full of the Holy Spirit or a church that's seeking to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, a charismatic church, whatever language you want to use, the first thing it means is that we should pray and pray. Because in the act of prayer is an act of dependency. It's saying, God, we, we need you. Would you come? Would you move on our city? I encourage you to live lives of prayer, seeking God again and again. That's why as a church, we have lots of different contexts where we pray. One of the main ways we do is we have a monthly prayer meeting once a month where we say to all our small groups, don't meet that week. Instead, let's gather to pray. We don't cancel our groups so we can give everyone a night off. If you want to have another night off, cancel another week. We gather together to, to pray because it's the most important thing we do because we're calling on God. We're saying, do you know what? It's not our, our energy, our activities that are going to make all of this happen, although that's important. Our energy activities, they need the power of God to break through, to take lives which are fundamentally opposed, with, to take secular hearts where they've turned against the gospel. The only way that's going to change is if God moves. We need him. We must pray. And I'm going to put that into action right now. I'm going to pray. And then um, Sasha and the band are going to come and lead us. Jesus, we, we want to be a church full of your power because you've called us to a great mission here in this city. And I, I just want to take a moment right now for us, wherever we're watching, wherever in the city we are, to just wait again on you for you to come and fill us for the mission you've called us to. We just say, Jesus, we, we, without you, this is all just a vain attempt at something or other, but with you, it's filled with purpose and power. We pray you'd come and fill us for what you've called us to do. Whatever that looks like, whether it's being a mum, loving the family that God's called you to raise, going into the university and uh, sitting in lectures tomorrow, going into your workplace, whatever God's called you to do in living out your faith, I just pray you'd send your power to help us to do it all for your glory and for your fame and to point others to you again and again. Jesus, I pray for anyone who's watching this who isn't a follower of you that they would just take really seriously these words and they would repent, as in they would, they would turn their, their backs on their old way. They'd ask for the forgiveness of their sins and they'd put their trust in you, knowing that this is the best way to live. The only way to find true liberty and freedom is about submitting our hearts to you. I pray you'd help people to do that right now as they're watching. Jesus, we just confess we need you. Come and fill us, we ask. Wherever we're at with our journey with you, we pray, would you fill us for the mission you've called us to? Thank you so much for your love and grace for us. Amen.